Well, I'm going to read from an odd passage today in, from the book of Leviticus. And, uh, you know, when I'm all done, you might decide this is going to be my life verse. But uh, we'll see. Leviticus chapter 3, verses 14 to 16. And here he's in, Moses is giving instructions to the priests about how uh, sacrifices should be made and some of the uh, guidelines. So from what he offers, he is to make this offering to the Lord by fire. All the fat that covers the inner parts or is connected to them, both kidneys with the fat on them near the loins and the covering of the liver, which he will remove with the kidneys. The priest shall burn them on the altar as food. An offering made by fire, a pleasing aroma. All the fat is the Lord's. I just wanted to focus on that, that last sentence. All the fat is the Lord's. This, this could be your life verse, you know. <laughs> but uh, I had a Chinese roommate in college who, uh, in the course of our relationship, let me know that in his culture, the fat was the best part of the meat. And uh, so, with apologies to the American Heart Association, uh, fat is beautiful on most of the dinner tables of the world. And there is a scientific reason for it. I read this article, and uh, it said that uh, sugar stimulates like 10% of your taste buds, salt, 50%, but fat titillates 95% of your taste buds. So my wife and I had little, little steaks last night that I grilled, and she, she always cuts the fat off. I say, just pass that over here. <laughs> so if I have a premature death, you'll understand one of the contributing factors. But fat really is uh, tasty, and uh, is considered, in, in some cultures, the best part of the meat. In fact, in the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis, Pharaoh, speaking to Jacob's family, says, we're going to give you the best of the land. And then he says, you will eat of the fat of the land. So fat became a metaphor for the best. So in the context here of this passage, what's it mean? And so, imagine you're in ancient Israel and you're having a cookout uh, in front of the sanctuary, this, the tent or the tabernacle, the temple, whatever it was at that, that time, and the priest is offering sacrifices. Who gets the filet? It's God. He gets the meat that's the tastiest, the juiciest, the tenderest, the most desirable. And, you know, what's the point? The point is to remind the people every time they do this, every time they do this, God deserves the best. God deserves the best. Some people speculate that the, the, the regulations regarding sacrifice in, in, in this area and some other things were given as uh, health uh, for health reasons, it was healthier not to eat the fat. It was healthier not to eat pork, etc., etc. I don't know for sure about all that, but I think that's a secondary uh, reason for this regulation in this particular case. It's not a health 
regulation. It's a theological declaration. At this meal, at every meal, the Lord is God and He deserves the best. At this time and at all times, the Lord is God and He deserves the best. In this place, in all places, the Lord is God. He deserves the best. The fat is the Lord's. And so what's the, how does this translate into our generation? We're centuries, millennia removed from the days of animal sacrifice in the Old Testament. <clears throat> and I think, I think the, the point is simple. Serve God with excellence. He deserves our very best. And so, that's the point that, that I, I, I think needs to be made here. That is, that's the Word of God for our hearts, I think, today and this morning. Serve Him with excellence. He deserves our very best. He deserves our very best in at least three areas that I'm going to talk about now. Our, our financial life, our time, and our abilities, or our talents. So let's talk about the fact that God deserves the very best. Uh, the fat is the Lord in the area of our finances. I always like this story of the hog farmer that came into the church, barged his way into the church office one day, and he said, uh, I need to talk to the head hog at the trough. The secretary was a little offended, actually, I think. She says, you know, if you're talking about the pastor, maybe you should use a little more respect or something. And, and, and the farmer says, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I'm excited. I just sold a bunch of hogs, and I got 10000 extra dollars I want to donate to the building fund. The secretary said, just a second. I think the big pig just walked in. <laughs> so, but, uh, you know, churches are notorious for uh, always asking for money. That's a stereotype. And I think our church is exceptional in that we don't talk frequently about giving and about money. Part of the reason is because you have been very generous. And uh, we, you know, uh, we don't need to twist arms or to put a guilt trip on on this congregation because you have been extremely generous and we are grateful having said that we are dependent on your your gifts and uh you know from week to week or month to month or you know whatever it is that however frequently you give but uh also because i believe god loves a cheerful giver and i don't want you to give to the church because somebody laid a guilt trip on you and I believe my philosophy has always been if the church is doing its job, if we're fulfilling our mission, if we're meeting needs, that people will want to give. And I think that's been the case, and I hope and pray that it will, will continue uh, to be the case. And uh, Rick mentioned an opportunity for uh, additional giving this morning, and I think it, it'll be a, a wonderful uh, instrument for us to finance some bigger projects that we can't do out of the church budget. My hope is that one day we'll plan a church in the not-too-distant future. 
and uh, reach out in this Sylvania community in other ways. Uh, but uh, we need the funds to do that, and we don't want to have annual campaigns or things like that uh, anymore. But uh, we would love to have you consider uh, making a gift in, in this area. But um, it's not about giving to this church. It's not about uh, giving to the pregnancy center or giving to the, your, your favorite charitable cause. It's about giving to the Lord. The fat is the Lord's. He, he deserves the best of our financial resources. So I don't know what that means for you. But the fat is the Lord's. How does your financial life reflect that God deserves our very best? Now, a lot of us are thinking, you know, I, I don't have a lot of margin in my financial life. And uh, most, people, most people don't. We always just talk about the buck stops here. I always like to say the buck stopped before it got here. <laughs> and, uh, you know, money talks. It says goodbye most of the time. It's amazing how quickly uh, we spend money. The irony of it all is that those with lower income statistically, give more to charity as a percentage of their income than the wealthy. The wealthier you get, the less you give as a proportion of your income to charitable causes. And I I think we've all been imbued with this this, uh, consumer-driven mentality. How much is enough? Just a little more. And so enough becomes an ever-receding horizon. And so my encouragement to you this morning is to let's all do a better job of managing our finances so that we can have greater margin to give to God in whatever way He leads you to give. Because it's an opportunity, it's an investment that will have payback in this world and in the next, far beyond what you could imagine. And uh, this particular opportunity, uh, the Growing Edge Fund, not the Growing Hedge Fund, is uh, a chance to invest in the future. I love the, the little poem called The Bridge Builder. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it to you. So uh, it's an old man going a lone highway, came at evening cold and gray, to a chasm vast and deep and wide, through which was flowing a sullen tide. The old man crossed in the twilight dim. The sullen stream had no fears for him, but he turned when safe on the other side and built a bridge to span the tide. Old man, said a fellow pilgrim near, you're wasting strength and with building here. Your journey will end with the ending day. You never again must pass this way. You've crossed the chasm deep and wide. Why build you the bridge at eventide? The builder lifted his old gray head. 
Good friend, in the path I've come, there followeth after me today a youth whose feet must pass this way. This chasm that has been nothing to me, to that fair-haired youth may a pitfall be. He too must cross in the twilight dim. Good friend, I am building the bridge for him. Most of us have passed over some of the more difficult places in life. We've passed from death to life, from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of God's beloved Son. But there are others who follow us. And this using our financial resources gives us an opportunity to build a bridge for them. To make their passage easier. It's not about us. It's not about the people who are here today at this church. It's about the people who will come. It's about the people we need to reach out to. It's about the work that other charitable groups are doing for the next generation. The Melissa Mackeys, people like that. Serve Him with excellence. For He alone deserves our very best from our financial resources. Tim Keller once wrote these words. He said, uh, our, fi- our, our, our money flows money flows effortlessly to that which is its God. What does the way our money flows tell us about what is our God? He, he, he should be served with excellence and... and uh, He deserves our our very best in terms of financial resources, but also our best in terms of our time. And, and, And there are many of us, if we were honest, would rather write a check than to give of our time. And in our culture today, time is becoming a more precious commodity than ever before. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's like attendance at church. We, we've noticed the trend in the last few years here, and we know it's been written about. It's, it's pretty much nationwide that those that regularly attend church are now considered those who attend once or twice a month. Those that used to attend three or four Sundays or every Sunday, you know, there are other things that have risen in life that demand our time or that that invite us to use our time otherwise the fat is the lord's what does that tell us it takes time to worship it takes time to love it takes time to serve it takes time to pray and to study it takes time to build relationships Serve Him with excellence. He deserves the best of our time. Time is the... You know, the word holy 
in the Bible is applied to a lot of things. And it's certainly one of the most important words in Scripture. But do you know the very first thing that was applied, that, it, that the word holy was applied to, was time. And God rested on the seventh day and He sanctified it and He made it holy. And so there is a call on our lives even today, to take time out of our week and make it holy. Devote it to God. It doesn't necessarily mean sitting in church. It means somehow finding a way with the, the fat of our time to give it to God. Here's a... A little, a little something I read. I get all my best ideas from Parade Magazine that I read on Sunday. And uh, Joyce Brothers writes this on how to manage our time. She gives some quick tips and, and I'll just give some brief editorial comments. But first, pursue your major goals. Don't major in the minors. You know, we say yes to everything that comes along. And when, at the end of the day, we don't do the thing that's most important. Learn to say no graciously to the less important. The good is the enemy of the best. Practice contentment. Much of what which drives our time-impoverished lives is the consumerism of our culture. How much is enough? Just a little more. Turn off the television. Limit your use of technology. Overestimate the time it will take to do anything, to get anywhere, and schedule it. You know, if you want to do something for God, put it on your calendar. You know, it was interesting back in the Middle Ages, I read this book on the history of the clock, and... uh, you know, the, the, the technology for the modern day clock was really developed in the monasteries back in the Middle Ages because the, the monks needed to have set times to pray. They called it praying the hours. So they had to have some timekeeping device that helped them know when to wake up in the middle of the night. And uh, <clears throat> didn't sound like much fun to me. But anyway, they developed the clock. And it's ironic to me how the clock was sort of invented in the Middle Ages to call people to prayer. Now, the clock is the thing that keeps us from praying. Time rules life is the, the motto of the American clock society or whatever it is. But uh, no, no, time doesn't rule life. God rules life. The fat is the Lord's. Fat of our time. Serve Him with excellence. He alone deserves the best that we have to give. And then, we, 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 you know, time, time will flow effortlessly to that which is its God. Who is your God? And serve Him with the best of our abilities and our talents. And 
you know, we, we, we read in some of the studies that have been done that most people in churches feel that they really can't do in the context of the life of the church the thing that they do best in life. I think that's pretty sad that we're not better at, at capturing the willingness and the talent of, of volunteers in the church to serve. But part of me also says that's never going to happen because what you do best is what you probably probably what you do for your life's work. And I think we need to begin to understand a little more clearly that our work is, is what God has called us to do in life. And when we work every day, we're not only serving our employer, but we are serving God. And this is what Paul says in Colossians 3 to the slaves. Says you're not only serving your masters, but you're serving God from whom you will receive your reward. So the point here in the message is take the talents and the abilities and the skills that you have and use them with excellence in your place of work so that your life becomes a tribute to your God. An offering to God. He deserves our very best. Ability flows, should flow effortlessly to that which is its God. Wayne Cordiero is a pastor out in Hawaii and he once said, that uh, the, the richest place on earth is not the diamond mines of South Africa or the gold mines or you know, the precious metals that are mined. It's the cemeteries. The place where unwritten books, unsung songs, incompleted projects, brilliant, Innovations lie buried where best intentions go to die. My son David said to me yesterday, he said, Dad, adulthood is where dreams go to die. I thought, wow. (laughs) But I hope that's not true. But cemeteries are the place where so many dreams have gone to die. Unfulfilled dreams. And so, you know, Wayne goes on with this exhortation. He says, die empty. Die empty. Use the best of what you have to give in the service of others, in the service of the kingdom, as an offering to God. Serve Him with excellence. Ability flows effortlessly to that which is its God. Time flows effortlessly to that which is its God. Finances flow effortlessly to that which is its God. Who is your God? Abraham Lincoln once said that Most men can deal with adversity, 
But the real test of a man's character is how he deals with power. And you and I have been given great power to live our lives. To use our resources, our, 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 our money, our time, our abilities. It's a test. Isn't it? Serve Him. Serve Him with excellence. The fat is the Lord's. He alone deserves our very best. And, and, and with that thought, I want to invite you to join us as we partake of the communion together. And all are welcomed here. And um, if you are a follower of Jesus, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll pass the bread and the cup. Take it as it's passed. And um, there, there are some words to a song that I, I think are appropriate here. And this is the thought that I guess I'd like you to, to continue to think about. Um, See from His head, His hands, His feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did e'er such love or sorrow meet or thorns compose so rich a crown? Were the whole realm of nature mine, it would be a present far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, deserves my soul, my life, my all. On the night that He was betrayed, Jesus took the bread and after blessing it, He broke it and said, This bread is My body which is given for you. Take it and eat it in remembrance of Me. In the same manner, Jesus took the cup and after blessing it, He said, This cup is the new covenant in My blood which is shed for the forgiveness of your sins. Take it and drink it, each one of you, in remembrance of Me. Let's pray. Father, we want, to, we want to serve You with excellence. We, we want to give You the best of what we can give You. As we partake of this bread and this cup, Lord, just show us how to take the next step at getting better. At giving You the best of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.